Hey, welcome back to Investment Fund Secrets. So today is an awesome interview I did with Adam Campbell a little bit ago, and this is part one of the interview. So in here, we dive into family office. Adam works at a family office in Utah. So if you don't know what a family office is, it's, it's usually a, a group of families or one family that's just super wealthy, and they have a private management team or fund management team that invests in other things. So Adam, in this interview, we talk about how us as fund managers can pitch family offices, how to pitch family offices and how it's actually a lot different than pitching other types of investors or other funds that you're pitching to invest in your fund. Also, Adam, in this interview talks about how he started a fund right out of college, real estate fund in 2007. And it was a real estate fund and it was doing great at first. Then obviously he got hit by the crash, but how he actually started his fund, found investors, you're going to love this interview. Um, it was a pleasure to sit down with him and we're going to cut over the audio right now. I've spent the last three years learning from some of the most ingenious fund managers around. And now I've decided to take the plunge and start my own fund. The real question is, how will I do it with no investors and without an Ivy League degree? This podcast is going to give you the answer. Join me and follow along as I share mine and other stories as we start and build multi-million dollar investment funds. I'm Bridger Pennington, and this is Investment Fund Secrets. Okay, we're gonna. I'm excited. <laughs> you out of college? Yeah. Decided to start a fund, a uh-huh. real estate fund. Like, what gave you the cojones to go out and do that? And I mean, where'd you start? How'd you know about that? Like, what? Tell me yeah. about that. I want to dive into that a little bit more. Sure. Well, a lot of people are at that, that point of I want to off do a reg D offering. You know, start a fund. Uh-huh. Tell tell me more about that. What what first off gave you the the idea? Did you do all the real estate? Did you partner with other people? Yeah. I want to hear about that. So it kind of came from a couple of mentors, some some guys. I was going to networking events. I was talking to different executives and seeing that there was this world of investment finance that had different rules than what your four hundred one k did in a stock market. And uh, I grew up with my dad was really adverse to the stock market for it, and that was just the era he grew up in for it. And so I always looked at it and said, well, if you can't invest money there, where do you invest it? And I, I count on real estate. A lot of the CPA firm work that I did for it, some of the customers and clients were all independent entrepreneurs who made all their money in real estate and then reinvested in their business and didn't make a whole bunch of money. Mm-hmm. So I kept seeing when we were doing company tax returns and financials that these guys made all their money in the real estate, even though they had businesses that supported the credit or supported some cash flow to be able to let them do that. All the money was made in real estate. So I thought, mm-hmm. Maybe I need to make a, a pivot on what I'm doing and just short sheet the operations and just go straight to the real estate. So I tripped across, luckily for me, I tripped across a couple of guys that were doing investment funds and they kind of took me under their wing and said, hey, if, if you're looking to be part of this or do something, let's just hook you up with a couple of these attorneys. They'll template some stuff. I mean, it, it's a simple model of you don't need, you know, million dollar documents to be able to start an investment fund for a couple hundred thousand. Yeah. So they gave me just base docs and they said, it's who you know. So go out and start talking to people and looking at the network groups and here's all the things you have to check the box on to make sure you're covered. And there I was kind of off to the races, just looking at it saying, I got to find people and I want to do real estate. And the guys gave me these docs and that was, that was all I needed. Yeah. And it's true. It, you, you don't need a whole bunch to get yeah. it started other than a good idea, a good location and helping people do something that they, they can't do for themselves or they can't do otherwise. So that y- unique value proposition. So was your role in that, you were, were you doing all? I was a one man show. You were on a one man yeah. show. So you were helping raise the money, you were, and then finding the deals. You were doing the whole thing by yep. yourself. Wow. 
So kit and caboodle for it. And the, the guy talked yeah. to, he, he said, you need a good life strategy. And for him, that was legal, investment, finance, and entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. So that was his, just make sure you've got your life covered on that and you'll be okay on the fund for it. Yeah. So some good advice that he gave me and I had to look at it and go, crap, I only have like one of those. I got to figure the other three and just bolt it on over time. Really cool. So how did you, now this is a question I get all the time. How, that's great and all, but how did you find money? How do yeah. you find the money, right? There's no, I don't know anybody with money. I don't know how to find the money. I get that that question all the time. What did, what's your answer to that? Sure. Um, for my answer for the guys I went and talked to for it, it was that I had one attribute that they didn't have, which was time. And <clears throat> I mean, I was mid twenties and I looked at it and said, I can do things and put energy into things and stay up really late. And as some of the guys I went to, I looked at it and said, okay, you guys have long-term careers. You've got, you know, defined lifestyles that you've got. You've got all your retirement funds. Mm -hmm. Let me do the work. Let me do the heavy lifting. Let me waste my youth on all the heavy things that you don't want to do in your stage of life or you can't do because you have a career. You've got a lifestyle you've got to maintain. Yeah. And I'll just help you leverage on my scrappiness and my grit so that you can just make the money on it and I can do all the work associated to it. And the guys looked at it and said, okay, well, we'll, we'll go down that route. And then it was just earning their trust over time for them to see how I did, it, how I did it. It was probably 20 touch points for each one of the investors before any of them even forayed into what I was doing. Mm -hmm. And by the time, but by the time I proved out the relationship with them, the money was the easy part to get mm -hmm. because they already knew who I was. They trusted what I did. I had enough frequent contact with them. And some of the guys I, I kind of had to push into opportunities to find opportunities to to hang out with them or to be involved in the similar activities or find interest in what they find interesting. Um, and that was probably the hard part is to figure out how to find a good match with those investors. And then once it was, it was really easy to, for them to look at it and go, hey, you're probably just looking for some investment funds. And part of it was like, yeah, I'd love to do the investment funds, but they could see whether you really cared about what they were doing or what you were involved in. So I had to make sure it was sincere, genuine interest in what they were doing. Mm -hmm. And uh, at the time I had a lot more, more time on my hands to be able to invest and go to different networking events and marketing events and social events and charity things. And uh, that, was, that was really what made the difference is mm -hmm. plug myself into a situation that I enjoyed and tried to surround myself with those people. And that was kind of the, the, the pond of people that I could fish from at that point. Yeah, I love that. That's awesome. Just yeah, I'm, I'm gritty. I'm young. I can stay up. I love that. I love that pitch. Yep. Okay, so that fails miserably though. With with your best efforts, it fails because just Did not market timing, out. right? Yeah. We all know that. So then you you transition into family office. Yeah, so I was, I was, it was kind of at the cusp of it. There was some overlap working at the family office. Did the the Reg D offering for it? Didn't work out. And what I realized in doing operations management and helping out this family office guy is. I actually really loved accounting. And my, my strongest core skill set that I loved at the time was, was accounting. Mm -hmm. And as an accountant, there's you know legal requirements and looking at it going, if you want to be a, an accountant with no glass ceiling, you have to go get a CPA. To get a CPA, you have to go get a master's. So re-enrolled back at the University of Utah. But at the time, I had two kids, one on the way, a mortgage, and looking at it going, okay, now I've got student loans. I've got, you know, evening weekends that I have to spend on tons of work. I've got to have a job to take care of my family. So it was, it was one of the, the hardest times in my life. And uh, for my wife and I, it's, we actually look back and it was a, a great time, even though I wasn't around very much. But it was work during the day, do side jobs during the evening, and then study from 11 o'clock till 1 in the morning, and then get up, sleep deprived the next morning, kiss the kids goodbye, and start it all over again for wow. it. And did that for almost two years. Okay, so you made the jump. Yeah. Tell us about family office. I think a lot of, even myself, I don't know a lot about that. I just know it's usually a, a rich family and you just manage their money. But I want to yeah. hear the in-depth and like explanation of family office. 
office? What's going on? Yeah, so kind of the nuts and bolts of it. A family office is actually like a management entity for it, kind of like a general partner in the, mm -hmm. the fund structure for it. And there's uh, different kinds of family office. You've got a single family office and a multi-family office is what you hear about. And really what it is is a, a family office that's a single family office is really just one family estate that has a management company that handles all their investments or all their, their companies or whatever it is for it. A multi-family office is a little bit more professional where it's kind of more of a, a B2B transaction where you have a management company that handles multiple families' investments or their estates for it. Mm -hmm. So I work for a single family office, so I've got one family that I manage all of their estate assets, all of their operating companies and investments for it. And it, it makes it a lot more intimate and hands-on where a family, a multifamily practice is almost more like investment advisory. Yeah. So they go that route for it. So a little bit different beasts in how you're handling it either internally or for a third party associated to it. So if you look at the, the world of family offices and what's going on for it, uh, it's really a different profile. It's not a traditional VC or a traditional private equity transaction because your boss is handling multiple engagements and there's kind of a different, different aspect of family offices for it. So kind of diving into it, the, the comparison, if I make it for it, is in private equity and in venture capital, it's kind of a similar, similar tone with a little bit different twist. In private equity, you're focused on return on investment, you're focused on IRRs, you're focused on making sure the investors are educated and happy and understand what's going on with the, the transaction because they're usually in it to be able to make more money. That's kind of the net result on the private equity. You're doing something, you've got this, this value add, you, you're able to capture some alpha that they're not able to capture for whatever reason. So they're gonna park the money and you're gonna make more of it and hand it back to them with a warm fuzzy and hopefully they'll do the transaction all over again for it. In a family office, it's usually a single guy or a single family office, you're usually on the back end of that where they've already made all their money for it. They've done a whole bunch and it's to the point where either they've got more money than what they can handle personally or that they don't want to do all the, the work because they've already done that. They already made their millions and now they want somebody else to leverage their, their time, their energy, their skills to be able to help make more money or do something else. But there's a, a twist to it that's a little bit different. Usually the family offices don't have ROI and IRR as their key driving metric. They, they've already made all their money. So maybe you know another million or another 10 million might or might not change anything about that family estate, their lifestyle, their you know inheritance strategy, their generational wealth transfer strategy. If you add another million bucks into it, not gonna change anything for it. Mm -hmm. They're still accountable for things. They recognize what they've got, that it's a, a blessing and something that they need to use. It's a tool, but they're looking at it and saying, hey, it's not just IRR focus. Sometimes it's capital preservation. Sometimes it's philanthropic efforts. Sometimes it's social problems and addressing issues that are in the marketplace. Um, and a lot of times it's actually teaching and educating that second generation or the G2 how to handle that, how to work with it, because they recognize that their, their kids are the family office people, the, the youth that are in there for it are second generation, third generation. They've got a different opportunity to understand how to manage wealth rather than how to work in a business and go to McDonald's and you know, flip hamburgers for it. Mm -hmm. So there's a, a different focus on not IRR and ROI, but it's usually make money, yes, but there's a different twist on every family office that you have to be cognizant of. So in your family office, what's, what's that twist? Where, where, is, where is your family? I don't know how sure. much you want to share, but are you more philanthropic? Are you more looking to start like really micro cap investing? Are you looking to mm -hmm. kind of, and what's, yeah, what's your... Where's the focus on? Yeah, where's the sure. focus in your family office? Sure. Um, with this family office, there's uh, a couple of different focuses. One of them's on um, some social impact for affordable housing. 
So really looking at it and saying, there's a huge problem in people not being able to afford the housing, but at the same time, building cost is getting bigger and bigger. So there's some dichotomy that we're playing with in different places like the, uh, the Ivory Innovation Center up at the University of Utah, the um, Hack a House competitions forum. And we've looked at it and said, you know, there's some great opportunity to help people, but we have to change a little bit of the, the profile of what people are used to. It's not go out and buy a home that's, you know, two, 3,000 square feet on a quarter acre with a whole bunch of land. But it's also not go get an apartment because those are still even more expensive sometimes than the houses. So we're, we're working with different opportunities to be able to grow and build um, housing that's not like HUD affordable housing, but opportunities where people can really grow at a low cost and be able to build up into whatever they need for their family for it. So um, that's one of the, the big platforms for the family office. The other is entrepreneur opportunities for it. Um, so the, the family office owner, he's been a huge, uh, huge proponent of entrepreneurship. He started tons of businesses. He's, he's succeeded at a bunch of them, he's failed at a, a bunch of them, and ultimately succeeded way more than he failed on it. But he recognizes that he wants to give those opportunities to, to his family, um, to nieces, nephews, sons, daughters that he's got. Um, and he's even reached outside of his realm to look at it and just kind of find opportunities for entrepreneurs and just help them with either capital investment, support, um, networking connections, and he's opened up his, his whole life and his Rolodex to try to help other people succeed. So at least for, for our family office, if I could drill it down, it was really uh, comes down to helping entrepreneur endeavors and kind of fostering that spirit of entrepreneurship and helping kind of try to solve or be some of the key catalysts to what are they going to do to solve these affordable housing issues. Hmm, interesting. That's cool. So a lot of people listening to the show are young entrepreneurs, as you call them, or old entrepreneurs, but wanting to start a fund, right? Mm -hmm. Getting new into the fund world. Could someone that started a fund come pitch a family office? Is that open? And yeah. does it depend on every family office? And are you guys open to, to investing into those? Yeah, so absolutely. Because um, one of the things that you'll find is it's it's not about what the pitch is on the ROI. And I think that's one of the places that some, some funds fail is they'll go to a family office and go, hey, I can give you this great ROI. I can, you know, we make sure we've got the security covered and we make sure we've got a good return and I've got control over what the variables are for it. So it's a great investment. So you should probably invest as a family office. And that's where you hit a big, huge red flag for it because you got to remember the family offices usually aren't ROI centric as their first and primary for it. They might have other endeavors or social endeavors that they're looking at. So the way to find the family office, I mean, they, they, every family office has to make money. So they've probably got money parked somewhere that's making a return. They might have some portfolio allocation, but that's not their main driver. They're not just looking to make a quick buck because they've done that. They know how to do it. They know where to go. They can probably plug money back into where they made it in the first place. So as a fund, you know, your startup fund, you're looking to pitch somebody, you go to a family office, you have to know what are their initiatives. You have to know what their social concerns are. You have to know what their, their generational strategy on either wealth transfer or family takeover, what that G2 is doing within the environment. Because if you want to talk to them about ROI, you're not going to catch their attention. You want to talk to them about their social cause, they'll talk all day long. And it, it goes back to what I was talking in the original is you don't go to find people by pitching the money. You go to find the people and get to build the relationship, build the trust. And then it's really natural for them to look at it and go, yeah, I trust you. I think you've got a good cause. I'll, I'll invest in your, your efforts and what you're able to do. And yeah, I'll, I'll stroke a check and see if I can help you out for it. So the key factor for any of those startup funds is don't go pitching family offices on the ROI, figure out what their social cause is, court their, their social cause, figure out how to be involved into it, and that might eventually evolve into some investment you can get from them. That is gold. Oh, I love that. <laughs> that yeah, that's smart, because I would walk in and just say, hey, ROI, 
IRA, right? Because most investors think that way. Family office is totally different. Oh, yeah. I love that. That's that's fantastic. So with family office, your current role, mm-hmm. you started helping with keeping the books. Have you moved up in that family office within there? And is, is it a big team? Is it a small team with your family office? If, if someone is listening to the show and wants to get into family office, uh-huh. right? What would kind of you recommend or what do you, what are, what do you guys look for? And, and how big are teams, all, all that kind of stuff. If someone's trying sure. to get into family office. So our family office, uh, when it came in, it started off pretty big. There was a lot of companies and we recognized pretty quick that some of those companies were profitable. Some of them weren't. Some of them were more kind of hobbies that we were trying to massage into businesses and figure out if it could work, some kind of R&D, if you will, for it. And others were actual cash cows. Um, So in in our family office, there was a smattering of all sorts of different opportunities that we had for it. Um, The cool thing is, as a family office with wholly owned companies for it, we already had brand presidents and company operators for each of the individual entities for it. So the back end and the family office was what we had a lot of. Um, so picture, if you will, for it, it's kind of a, a hub and spoke model for it, that in the hub, you have the, the defined family office, which is your, your accounting, your legal, um, some of the operations or marketing, things that are scalable across multiple small entities for it. So they were their service organizations for it. We build our time out to them, we spread some of the cost out, but there weren't things that they could afford otherwise. Mm-hmm. Some of our controller resources, legal resources, and marketing were some of the key that the individual startup entities that the, uh, the owner was so adamant about, they just couldn't afford, but you had to do them in bits and pieces with high-level people with a very smattering, like, small sniper shot, not a shotgun approach to what they were trying to do. Um, so in the family office environment for it, that was one of the areas that we got into And for people looking to get into a family office, there's kind of two ways to do it. One of it is you can get into an operating company and kind of work your way up to understand and know the owners. I mean, be at the board meetings, be at the, if it's, you know, got an investor profile, be at the annual reviews or annual um, report meetings for it and get to know the owner and who's involved with the owner for it. Um, But the other way is a lot of the people in those those back office skills, those kind of life skills, the legal investment, finance and the entrepreneur, try to figure out is there some bolt-on to that family office that you can value at. Mm-hmm. Um, accountants have a great foot in the door because you, you always need to scale accounting on a regular basis. Limited legal always has an easy way to get the foot in the door in marketing. Those are the ones that if I were to recommend out there, those core um, those core attributes and core skills have a lot easier ability to get into finance because you can scale those and add those incrementally. But you have to know the owner, you have to know the kids, you have to know their cause, you have to know their social platform, yep. and then figure out how your skill can help amplify what they're doing across a variety of different companies, in assuming there's a lot of wholly owned entities that they have for it. So that's kind of how, how we got together on it. Okay, really cool. Mm-hmm. So with the, the family office, I know um, I started out in the accounting role for it, but you'll find in a family office, it's, they're usually a lot flatter of an organization for it. They're not... There's a lot of jack of all trades in the family office environment. So I started out as CFO, working through that, and that's still the role that I, I hold for it. But I, I also work on different kind of boards, if you will, for it. Mm-hmm. Do advice for some of the, the partners that are in individual companies or the brand presidents. And kind of have to spread my wings to figure out how to help all of these organizations in the most value add, the biggest bang for the buck. Um, so when you're working for a family office, there's a lot of retooling to look at it and say, where can I add the most value? How can I improve the opportunity for those individuals for it? And you got to remember, sometimes there's, there's, there's family from the family office that's in there. There's generation two and generation three or nieces and nephews or different family members that are in there. And so once again, the focus isn't always ROI and IRR. Sometimes it's give the opportunity to you know, a nephew to be able to focus on an opportunity he wouldn't get otherwise 
So it might not be the most efficient or the most effective organization for it that he's, he's working in, but you have to give them a good experience. You have to work with them to op- improve the opportunity. And uh, that's something that you gotta watch out for. There's a very big difference between private equity. A lot of times it's really cutthroat. Investment banking, you're putting in a ton of hours. You're, you have to outperform your peers. There's a lot of struggle. There's a lot of tension. In the family office environment, if you bring that in there and you're cutthroat and you're, you're hacking and slashing and chopping, you're probably not gonna last long because that's not the focus of that family office a lot of times. So you have to be careful to understand what's the purpose of that because it's not always make the biggest bang for the buck. Does that make you want to just pull your hair out sometimes? It, like, it does. I know. <laughs> <laughs> like you got a nephew in there and the the family where they're trying to cultivate this nephew and he's just not cutting it. Yeah, there right? it, it happens. So, and I I've, I've seen it, but I've come to I've come to appreciate the value that the family office has is looking at it saying there's I mean I, I you know, and Elon Musk talks about in his uh, biography his book that it's really hard to create artificial hardship for people who know that that's artificial. So looking at it saying, how do you give somebody an opportunity to grow if they know you're synthetically blocking and tackling everything bad that could happen and just making it a phenomenal experience where that's not real life? People see straight through that. And especially if you know that you know the family office and the estate has a ton of money and they're just handing you a, a perfect opportunity where you can do whatever you want, they're going to look at it and go, yeah, this isn't the real life. It's, and if they're ambitious, they're going to know that, that it's not. Um, so trying to balance, how do you make, how do you give an opportunity, but you're not giving them a golden parachute no matter what happens. you got to give them the, the opportunity that they have to struggle. They have to work through it. They have to learn the skills that they need. They have to be in an environment where maybe there's a little bit of padding around it, but they still have a real experience associated to it. So you have to be careful coming from an, an aspect of, you know, I might have a lot of skills that could override that or completely resolve the issue or just push it out of the way. Or you look at it and go, that's, that's not a really viable option. Let's just shut that down and refocus somewhere else. But comes back to the, that's not the purpose of the family office. If it's an incubator to help growth and development and opportunity for these, these family people mm-hmm. and for other people associated to it, sometimes you kind of have to bide your time and look at it and say, the, the goal is not to override and make the best ROI. It's to give them the opportunity for growth and advancement and development. Mm-hmm. And that's what the owners want. So how do I foster environment where they can see that? And as, a, and as an accountant, that's really great because you can, give them, you can give them analytics, you can give them financial statements, you can give them cash flow reports, you can help them set benchmarks, do scorecards, a lot of stuff that's measurable to help these people look at it and go, oh, that's why it didn't work. Or looking at it saying, this is how much it doesn't work. Or you can help them and look at it and go, your growth in this one area is huge. Mm-hmm. Like, focus on that area you're successful on and it helps, um, helps kind of guide and direct and be kind of a buffer and bumpers for that opportunity for that individual that in a, an a outside a family office or outside of that organization just doesn't exist. You're just, you're up to your own devices and everybody's out there to get you or you're out to get them and that's all it is. But the family office can kind of incubate that in a safer environment than sometimes you see externally. Cool. Are there, um, like when you first got to family office, did you have to really change your mindset to align with the family office. Oh, absolutely. I bet that was hard, right? You see a deal yeah. and you're like, look at this ROI, this is gonna be amazing, and they wanna pass on it. Or yeah. vice versa, it's a terrible ROI, and they're all in, right? Mm-hmm. Was that a, a hard shift, and do you still have to make that shift with whoever the owner or the family, yes, the board of directors is? Absolutely. Is that a hard, because you're the CFO, right? You're the numbers guy, you're yeah. all about getting you know profitable returns. Uh-huh. What? Tell me about that. So, um, yeah, it was a hard shift looking at it saying, how do I wrap my brain around a non-ROI? I mean, I worked in private equities for seven years that every day it was eat, sleep, and breathe. 
investment advice or investment uh, profile for these guys, helping them understand what the returns are, disseminating the information to members, making sure it fits what their risk profile is, and fitting the, the ROI profile. It was really hard to just leave that behind and then focus on what was the owner trying to do with the, the family office for it. Mm. Um, so kind of give you the example for it. Used to ROI, I came in and there was a couple of initiatives that had a couple hundred thousand dollars invested into them that were really R&D concepts mm. that the owner had looked at it and said, I've always wanted to try this. It, it was always a great idea, had it from years be- before and I just, I just wanted to flush it out. Mm-hmm. So we grabbed a couple of people that had some scrappiness to them, a little bit of grit, a little bit of entrepreneur spirit, put the team together and he just kept on looking at it going, just keep changing until you figure out what the tone is. Mm-hmm. And for me, it was like, well, trial and error is great, but let's go back to strategy. Let's kind of figure it out. Let's figure out you know, how much are we going to invest into it? How much do we want to invest into different initiatives? And the answer was really, no, don't, don't worry about that. Just, just keep trying something different until we get it right. And it's like, we, we can't do that. That's just going to burn through capital. Um, and it took me a while to really look at it and try to figure out that for him, it wasn't about the money. It goes back to the same thing. An extra million bucks in his bank account wasn't going to change his lifestyle. He's not going to eat different, not going to live anywhere different, not going to vacation any different. Nothing's going to change. But for him, if he actually figured out how to make that work, it was worth it to him. So instead of the capital preservation, it was more of a philanthropic or R&D effort or entrepreneur efforts that he had into it. Um, and I'll be honest, it, it took me like a year, two years to really look at it and finally, in my soul, figure out what it was that he was trying to do and adopt that into it and say, I get it now. But there was a lot of sleepless nights that I'm going home going, what in the world are we doing? Like, let's just shut down all of these extra ones because we don't know where they're going to go. Um, and one of my old mentors looked at it and said, you have to have hope. You have to have faith. Nobody wants somebody to come in and just hack and slash with a, a negative Nelly perspective and then doom and gloom that this won't work because it hasn't worked. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was something that, that my boss has kind of taught me and looking at it going, hey, it's not about the ROI, it's not about the cash, it's opportunity and growth, and if we get it right, the money will follow. Mm-hmm. And he was right. And now that we've refined a few operations and we've shut some down and some have grown, um, I've seen very intimately that he was absolutely right in what he was trying to accomplish, and it's a better environment, it's a better culture, it's a better feel about the office environment. And yeah, maybe this wouldn't work in a VC startup, but in a family office environment, everybody involved has a better opportunity and a better experience. And the owner feels like we're accomplishing his legacy, mm-hmm. um, which that's one of the biggest things is really understanding what is the legacy of the family office to know where it goes. Hey, what's going on? I know a lot of you out there are starting funds or thinking about starting funds and something I was so grateful for was having mentors. When I started my first fund, I had people to turn to and to ask questions. And so what I've decided to do is make the same thing for you. So what we've done is compiled a lot of interviews, things that I've learned, my personal pitch decks that I've used to pitch investors and put it all into what I call a mini vault. So in there, I deep dive into Forex funds, into real estate funds, how to structure them, how to structure deals, how to find investors. And I try to go deep to help mentor you to help you start your first fund. And in addition to that, we have a private members group on Facebook that fund managers are getting together on there and talking and working through problems together. So this is interesting to you. If you wanna get involved and get some help right off the ground, go to investmentfundsecrets.com for less than a hundred bucks. You can get started and get into the mini vault. And I would love to see you in there on the Facebook group and talk with us. Thanks, see ya.